the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. We'll be your Sandra Bullock source. I love the range of movies that she's in. Her eyebrows, they're amazing. She's very striking features. Fast male co-star, quirky little personality. She's got real tears at multiple parts in this movie. Oh yeah. Key Sandra Bullock physical comedy. Powerful woman. I mean, she's a boss the whole movie. I'm just all in. Rom-com. Brilliant. Smart. Five out of five. Hello and welcome to Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We're obsessed with Sandra Bullock, so we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your own thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Girl Crush Pod, where we'll be reviewing The Lost City. Technically, we closed out season two a while ago, and we are on to season three, but we always love to keep up with previous girl crushes and review anything new that they're in. So, The Lost City brand new, just released in 2022. It is currently in theaters. So we actually got to watch this together when I was in Chicago, which was so fun. It was so much fun. And Sandra Bullock plays a character named Loretta Sage. As a brief plot summary, celebrity historical romance author Loretta Sage goes on a very unexpected adventure when her recent bestseller turns out to carry knowledge on a real life treasure. So if you haven't watched this movie yet, Highly recommend you go see it. If you're listening to this and it's still in theaters, you should definitely go. It's really fun to watch in theaters. And as of this recording, it's on Paramount Plus, and hopefully it stays available for streaming because we definitely think this one is worth a watch. And I might even say, like, save the episode until you've seen it. Yeah, we'll get into it, but I adored this movie. Highly recommend. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Wander and Ivy, a certified woman-owned business that sells premium single-serve organic wines. Each beautiful reusable glass bottle is a perfect 6.3 ounce pour. You can check Ellie's pouring right now for some ASMR. And you can check them out at wanderandivy.com or on Instagram at wanderandivy. This is a perfect drink for not only podcast recording, but to watch a movie. Yes. Might we suggest The Lost City? Ooh, love it. Ooh. I'm drinking the red wine blend tonight. I'm super excited. Ooh, same. It's the only red I have left from them from the recent pack I bought. Oh, love. I just opened a new package of eight. I can't wait. I will have to post. I can officially say this because I have invited all my bridesmaids to be in my wedding now, <gasps> but I put Wander and Ivy Rosé in all of their boxes because I love uh, the, I genuinely really like the Wander and Ivy Rosé. Yes. And it's really perfect for gifts and bridesmaids boxes and stuff like that. So I will yes, post some of that as well. so pretty. Like it adds to the aesthetics. I love that you did that. If you too would like to enjoy Wander and Ivy, you can use code GIRLCRUSH for 15% off and free shipping. Great deal. Great deal. Before we jump into the plot, we also wanted to mention that Girl Crush now has a buy me a coffee page. (gasps) Allie, what is that? What if I don't drink coffee? We don't live near our listeners. Okay, first of all, we love coffee. But second of all, (laughs) this is essentially a low-cost, low-dollar donation page where you can become a one-time donor or a monthly donor to help us cover the recurring podcast costs and grow our podcast. Monthly contributions start as low as $3 a month, which is, I believe, less than a coffee, especially given outrageous inflation. (laughs) We have four tiers you can contribute to with increasing levels of rewards associated with each level, ranging from a podcast shout out to several pieces of merchandise. We plan to expand these offerings as we grow our support base. Making Girl Crush is our passion, honestly, more than a hobby to us. Yes. Definitely. But you may or may not know that we also pay several, several hundred dollars a year out of our own pockets to make it all happen. 
Allie's husband, Kale, works for zero dollars, negative dollars <laughs> to do all of our editing. And we have a lot of things that we would really love to do for the podcast and for our Girl Crush listeners. So a little support to cover our really boring but essential costs like, you know, our podcast hosting and website fees will help us loosen some purse strings for other fun stuff for our listeners, like more live events and giveaways and things like that. Yes, exactly. And we're not looking to make a profit. We're really just looking to cover our costs. So you can check out buymeacoffee.com slash girlcrushpod to become a podcast sponsor. And we'll also link that in the show notes and on our Instagram link tree. And we really appreciate any support you're willing to give. All right. I'm going to pour this wander and ivy. Oh, yeah. This is unrelated, but made me think of this. When you work from home, are you mm-hmm. ever on a work call and you like... I don't know, walk to the fridge to get water or something and you are off mute and you're afraid that people are going to think that you're peeing. (laughs) I am afraid of anything I'll do when I'm not muted. So I pretty much incessantly keep myself on mute unless I'm actively talking. So I'm like, I'm like, it's what I'm getting water. It's just water. I'm I usually double mute myself like on whatever the app is like WebEx and like mute my phone because I'm so afraid that I'm going to like, I don't know, say something embarrassing or like if Kale works weird hours sometimes. So so he'll be home if I'm working from home and (laughs) I'm worried he'll like pop in and say something and I'll be on (laughs) not on mute. So occasionally Scott will just start singing upstairs while I'm like in the middle of a, you know, like client meeting. I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, it's great. Just blame the dogs. Yeah. Anywho, jumping in to the plot of The Lost City, we gave this a 9 out of 10. I love it. Maybe we were just excited because we got to go to the movie theater together, but I think it deserves it. Me too. I was just going to say, were we just like high and giddy off friendship and we were just thrilled to be together? <laughs> Possibly. It's possible. We never claim to be totally unbiased here. We don't. We don't. It is biased. It's us. We try to be unbiased because we have the rating scale, but it happens. Right. Anyway, this movie opens with Loretta Sage, played by Sandra Bullock, having trouble writing. She's an author. Her publisher is pressuring her to finish her book. She eventually does, and it is called The Lost City of D, which was, I think, originally the title of the movie, and then they shortened it. Yes. Her book tour is starting. She is uncomfortable because she's kind of been a bit of a hermit since her husband passed away, but her publicist slash manager, Beth, who is played by Divine Joy Randolph, who is also in Office Christmas Party as the security guard. Oh, yes. And she plays the detective in Only Murders in the Building. Have you watched that? No. Oh, Alexandra, you must. It's amazing. (gasps) Okay. She insists that she does this tour. They have like a lot invested in this book. Loretta's books are these historical romance books. It's a series. It's like 20 books deep, huge fan base. And the main male character in her books is named Dash. And Loretta's fans are not only obsessed with her books and her stories, but they are possibly equally obsessed with the book cover model who happens to be played by Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. So Channing Tatum, who models as Dash on all these book covers, goes on tour with her. And he has this like long, blonde Fabio <laughs> hair, takes his role of Dash very serious, and Loretta is just annoyed by his existence. <laughs> As one of the tour interviews starts, Dash just starts answering questions about the book on Loretta's behalf because he is just in character that he is Dash. 
Turns out this book is actually kind of historically relevant, though nobody in the audience actually seems to care. The audience is really just there to see Dash because obviously he's Channing Tatum. He's very handsome. Mm-hmm. Dash briefly tries to subdue the audience, but eventually Loretta just, for better or for worse, gives in, tries to rip off his shirt as the audience requests, but as she's doing it, her watch gets caught in his long hair. (sighs) He falls off the stage, his wig remains attached to her wrist, and just on a whim as everything's falling apart, she tells everyone that this is her last Dash book and people are crushed. Yes, and her publicist is like, what? This is not planned. (laughs) Dash is very concerned about how his character is going to die. (laughs) And Loretta's like, get over it. And she's over it. He challenges her and her fear of living because she is, like I said, grieving the loss of her husband. And she's just, Mm -hmm. you know, very reserved. She does not want to be doing this. Mm -hmm. Annoyed, Loretta leaves and she mistakenly gets in the wrong car and two scary dudes get in beside her trapping her. And as Dash comes out to apologize to her just as they drive away, he sees her trapped in this car. She arrives to this large, mostly empty room, save for probably 49 feet, it's a guesstimate, of charcuterie. (laughs) And Daniel Radcliffe is playing Abigail Fairfax, who is a media mogul who has arranged for Loretta to be brought to him. He is from this incredibly wealthy family. He's a billionaire. He's very interested in some of her plot from the new book, thinking that she has actual knowledge of where an ancient treasure might be buried. Turns out, Loretta's husband was an archaeologist, and together they were actually pursuing this work before he died regarding this treasure. Mm -hmm. And Abigail believes that the tomb in her book actually exists. He says he found the evidence of this so-called lost city, but he cannot locate the tomb, which allegedly has this crown of fire with jewels. Yeah. He wants Loretta to help translate this, like, small snippet of hieroglyphics for him that he thinks will lead there. She's like, no, thank you. But they grab her, take her on a plane. Ugh. (laughs) Meanwhile, her publicist, Beth, and Dash, who we learn his real name is Alan, which is hilarious for some reason. so perfect. It's so funny. A callback to our election episode when we were thinking of names that don't fit a baby. Alan is absolutely (gasps) one. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) There's never been a baby named Alan. I'm also trying to imagine Channing Tatum named Alan, and it's just not happening for me. No, he was made to be a Channing. Yes. Anyway, Beth and Alan have reported Loretta missing, and Alan has her cell phone that she left behind. He calls a friend he thinks can help, and his name is Jack Trainer. It's just like, why don't you use find my watch, like find, <laughs> find my phone and see where she is. So it shows up that she's in the middle of the ocean, so they know she's on a plane. Jack says he'll get her back in 48 hours and will accept payment via cryptocurrency on Cash App. <laughs> Loretta wakes up on the plane, and here is – we've already seen some physical comedy from Sandra several times Mm -hmm. so far in this movie, but here I have to know hilarious physical comedy because her legs are still numb from whatever they used to knock her out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They arrive to an island where Abigail's team is excavating the lost city really urgently before a volcano on the island erupts. So, (laughs) you know, there's a little pressure here time-wise. Abigail, because he's this mogul, literally purchased half of this island in an effort to find the treasure. And Loretta is intrigued by this because obviously she and her husband were invested in this prior, but they tie her up. They leave one hand free to work on the translation and leave her alone in this tent. Rude. Very rude. Alan meets up with Jack. The difference between these two men, (laughs) hysterical. 
<laughs> Alan, sleep mask, neck pillow, AirPods. Jack is played by Brad Pitt, has this super cool jungle chic look, long, <laughs> like kind of like Dash in real yes. life. Except like a little bit of a rugged version of him. Yes. And Alan is just really kind of enamored by Jack, wants to tag yeah. along, help rescue Loretta. He kind of seems invested and interested personally in Loretta. And Jack is like, fine, but you have to stay in the car the whole time and, you know, don't touch anything. They hop in this, like, tiny mini car and go on their way. And I got to ask if you are more of an Alan or a Jack in oh. life when traveling. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. Good question. I feel like I don't look as chic as either of them when I'm traveling. <laughs> But I am like, I'm more of a neck pillow. I'm in my sweatpants. I am putting my hood up on the plane. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who that is like. What about you? You know, I always see people even traveling in like very cute matching athleisure and I can't even do that. So <laughs> I think from like a put togetherness perspective, I'm actually more of a Jack because he's, you know, a little chaotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like, you know, the AirPods. The comfort piece. You know, having my carry-on with me. Jack goes to find Loretta, leaving Alan with the car. Alan immediately walks himself out. They're just parked in the middle of a jungle, essentially, at this point, by the way. Jack jumps the security fence, just starts confidently taking out security guards. And then he realizes that Alan has followed him. And Jack reluctantly allows him to tag along and there's just this hilarious sequence of jack expertly taking these guys out and alan being stunned entirely unhelpful (laughs) it's just i I don't know it's funny yeah we get some good comedy from channing tatum here too Mm -hmm. and it's like very cheesy over the top like oh yeah meant to be that way with brad pitt literally being like go to sleep when he yeah (laughs) like makes the guys pass out yeah brad pitt reminds me of like I don't know, the like personality of the Ken doll or something from Toy Story where it's it's yeah. just very animated and over-the-top G.I. Joe kind of. Yes, yes. They get to Loretta. Both Jack and Alan tell her that they're there to save her. They don't actually either have time or make an effort to fully remove her from the chair that she's tied to. They just lift her and put her in a wheelbarrow and they <laughs> run. And Jack's hair is blowing in slow-mo as they go. Yeah, it's very funny. Loretta did snag the hieroglyphic sample before they left. And as they're running away, Jack is blowing stuff up. And it's just like kind of a hilarious image. It's probably a screen grab that you've seen from the movie. Right. Of the three of them going with Sandra Bullock in a wheelbarrow tied to a chair. (laughs) Loretta, very taken by the suave and rugged handsomeness of Jack, her rescuer. Right. (laughs) While Alan is kind of awkward, a little disappointed, maybe embarrassed, standing to the side. They're back at the car. Jack is being, like, super suave about his rescue mission, but suddenly he is shot and blood explodes everywhere, and Alan and Loretta (gasps) freak out. Okay, this was so unexpected for me. I (laughs) jumped. I was like, (gasps) did not know they were going to kill him off. I don't like to be a person who audibly gasps in a theater, but I'm pretty sure I did. I feel like for this movie, it makes it fun. It does. Yeah. Alan is super flustered. He's trying to just force Loretta into this teeny tiny car. She's still (laughs) strapped to this chair as people are shooting at them. She's screaming directions at him. Her legs, like they can't even shut the door of the car. Her legs are just hanging out of the car. Uh. They make a getaway. Alan comes to a screeching halt at the side of a cliff, only to discover that Loretta is not still in the car. He's terrified that she went (laughs) over the cliff. 
but she is still strapped to the chair and lying on the road behind the car. He gets her out, and as they're kind of bickering, the car falls off the side of the cliff, and Alan's phone is in it. Loretta doesn't have her phone, so they're yeah. phoneless, carless, in the middle of nowhere on this island. Mm-hmm. Back at the camp, Abigail sees that Loretta took the sample, and they assume her partner, who they all interpreted as being Jack, is with her and very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Loretta and Alan go down this ravine to the car to retrieve some supplies. It's very cute. Alan brought her a change of shoes because she's in these stilettos. Hilariously, though, the, the shoes he gives her are not, like, super, what is the word? Functional? They're not, like, super, yeah, they're not super functional shoes anyway. They're, like, high-heeled booties still. <laughs> like, mildly better than stilettos. Yeah. And then he brought her some cheese and water because he knows that she gets hangry and needs snacks. Like, they've been touring and stuff together, I think, yeah. for a long time. Like, they know each other. Right. Alan has a plan to hike through the jungle to get to the airport on the other side of the island. Loretta does not want to, but they really don't have many other options because Abigail's men are chasing them. Alan is so cutely very excited that they're kind of on a real-life Love More and Dash adventure, which are the characters in Loretta's books. Yes. Loretta uses her knowledge and research from writing her books to decide that they should travel via the river so that they cannot be tracked as easily, which is a big big no No. for me. Mm -mm. Jungle water? No, thank you. There are snakes in there. There are parasites. There, I don't want to know what's in there. There are probably animals that have yet to be discovered. Not even like tiny snakes. I think there's big snakes in jungle water. (gasps) Absolutely. Big, big snakes. Creatures. Uh, Water anacondas. I don't know if that's a thing, but like, I'm sure something like that exists. I can't think about it too hard. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. And you know that water is so murky. You're not seeing through it. Not at all. When they get out. Loretta notices that there are leeches, <gasps> leeches on Alan's back. They both freak out and are gagging. Okay, I think I would gag too. How anti-bugs are you? I would say it depends on the bug. The more legs they have, the more anti I am. Yes, I agree with you. And I feel like leeches are one that are just like way too much for me. Super gross. That and house centipedes. I hate those things. I would rather be covered in leeches than spiders. I'm thinking. <laughs> would you rather? <laughs> you would rather be covered in leeches than spiders? Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the type of spider. Because oh. I really hate the idea of leeches like they're literally attaching to you and sucking your blood. Yeah, but spiders bite. <sighs> True. If it's a harmless spider, though, if we're talking harmless spider, harmless leech, I think I would choose spider. Listen, leeches are gross, but they are still, believe it or not, used in modern medicine. (gasps) This is not the only movie we've seen leeches in either. (sighs) Call back to season two, speed two cruise control. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I forgot about the leeches. Willem Dafoe as the villain. I can't remember his name. He has like a jar of leeches because he's sick. Yes. Oh, I, you're right. Okay, maybe I would choose leeches then. I've convinced myself there's some medical benefit. <laughs> uh, they also Ugh. just see, like seem, leeches seem dumb enough that they're not going to like seek vengeance. Mm, spiders are more evil. Leeches yeah. are just creatures of opportunity maybe. Yes. Ugh. I like to believe anyway. Okay. Anyway, Alan drops his pants and there are leeches all over his butt. Ugh. Loretta picks them off and then kind of like marvels at his junk when she checks the friend. (laughs) And this was a question I have. What do you think, again, as not movie experts or costume or makeup 
and design experts. What do you think is the process for having a butt on screen? Is there like, you know, does Channing Tatum's personal trainer, you know, do special toning exercises? Do they put makeup on it? Um, I think thousand percent yes to both. I think, especially like this, like when you see it, you, you we're supposed to like it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not really a funny butt image. It's like a nice butt image, mm-hmm. <laughs> despite the fact that it's covered in leeches. But I feel like he definitely was toning up for that. He, he's Channing Tatum. He's like, I want to look good. Does he even have to, or does it just look like that? I mean, I, I'm sure he has a physical trainer that helps him, oh, a I'm personal sure. trainer with with all of this stuff. So maybe it already does. But like, I feel like especially the couple weeks leading up to that shot, you're like, all right, I wanna I wanna be toned. And then I I think they may put makeup on it potentially depending on like the lighting and stuff. Can you imagine being Channing Tatum's butts makeup artist? <laughs> we need to please. We need to find this person. Is that in credits? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, like, just think about the preparation that I do to take, you know, a photo of my face for Instagram or like a cute reel that we want to do that we like want to look cute for. Like the effort I put into that. And that's just like my face, which everyone in the world already sees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Next level for the butt, I think. I love it. You know, I can't remember which Sandra Bullock movie it was we quoted where she did this. Maybe The Heat or might have been The Proposal. Whenever you drop your pants and it is not meant to be funny, it is hard to pull off. But whenever you are naked on screen and it's meant to be funny, it always lands. And so she cited how Will Ferrell has really figured this out because yes. you'll notice Will Ferrell is naked in so many movies. And yes. I'm like, maybe that's, you know, that's part of it. Maybe it's part yeah, of it. It's meant to be funny, true. but it's also Channing Tatum's butt. So we're like, okay. Right. <laughs> Spent far too much time on this. Uh, okay. So they continue hiking. At one point, Loretta sees a waterfall and finds some etchings in the stone that translates to, the king was laid to rest in the well of endless tears. She does not know what that means. Abigail's men are continuing to chase them. They're coming up on them. Alan decides that they need to scale this waterfall cliff, essentially. They're scaling the wall. Loretta is freaking out, but Alan (laughs) really calms her down, encourages her, and he's, like, underneath her, literally lifting her with his head (laughs) in her crotch, like, in her butt to push her upwards. (laughs) She's like, get out of there! (laughs) Oh, man. Also feel like we have to say what she's wearing. She's in this bright, hot pink sequined jumpsuit. If you've seen any stills from the movie, it's in that because she's in that almost the entire movie Mm -hmm. because that's what she's wearing on her book tour, which I just think is so funny. She's like running through the jungle in this. Yes. I wonder how uncomfortable that would be. Yeah. You know, like wet jeans are terrible. Wet sequins. Oh, yeah. Bad, bad. And how, depending on what the lining of that is, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They make it to the top. They're setting up camp for the night, and they kind of bond a little. Loretta's tending to a rash that Alan got from the jungle water, which I would be convinced is like malaria or (laughs) something terrible. He asks how she would write this story, and she tells a really romantic story as they sit by the fire, and then she awkwardly offers to share their like little hammock bed that they have strung up, and they agree, hands out, butt to butt. (laughs) Okay, I know that people sleep in hammocks when they camp. Like, even if they're not on the run. That's just, like, their Mm -hmm. sleeping arrangement of choice when they camp. I absolutely 
could not. Can you imagine a creature walking under you and grazing your butt in the middle of the night through the fabric? I would have a heart attack. Oh, that sounds so scary. I've never slept in like the open air. No, me either. I don't think I could. I'm not sure I could either. Ugh, I don't know. I do have a camping hammock, and I will say it's my favorite part of camping. It's like stringing it up. I've never been in one. And especially because like no matter what time of year we go camping, it's cold at some point during the day. So I love like wrapping myself up in a blanket and laying in the hammock with my wool socks on and a book and then like folding the hammock over top of me. Even if it's raining a little bit, it's just like so cozy. It's a great nap. That does sound super nice. But would not sleep overnight in one. No way. (laughs) The next morning, they argue when Alan learns that Loretta stole the hieroglyphic artifact because he knows that that means Abigail is not going to stop chasing them anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And Loretta doesn't like that Alan thinks that he's Dash. And she thinks that she really has his personality and his whole career goals down to a T. She just kind of stereotypes him. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that modeling was just a way to get out of his small town and admits to her that he was actually really embarrassed of posing for her books. But when he had fans who were really happy to meet him, it made him happy. Mm-hmm. And he warns her to not minimize the people who love her work, yes. which... I think it's a really humbling moment for her because I think part of her thinks, she even says, she's writing these like stupid romance novels. Right, right. She doesn't see value in them. They're not like of substance to her. Right. And he's like, you shouldn't minimize it. Like it means something to some people. Yeah. And my heart just swells here because I'm like, I I think I'm in love with Channing Tatum. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Scott. (laughs) I love it. They're going through the jungle. Abigail's men catch up to them. They end up using part of her jumpsuit as a decoy in an attempt to trap two of the men, but they end up killing them because the guys drive (laughs) off a cliff on their mopeds. Loretta and Alan get to the town on part of the island that Abigail doesn't own, and Loretta tries to call Beth, her publicist manager, and Alan reports what happened to them to the local police. They get showers, new outfits, and they also dance in this, like, cute square. I'm thrilled that Channing's dancing, of course. Yes. And we get to see Sandra dancing with him, which is a callback to Sandy's line dancing in Hope Floats. Yes. And her dancing in um, The Thing Called Love. That's right. She does dance in that movie. Also, I have to say, after this, we went home and watched Step Up because we just needed more of Channing Tatum dancing. Obviously. It was a Channing Tatum kind of weekend. It was. (laughs) During the song that a local woman is singing with the band, Loretta hears a line about the Well of Endless Tears. And the woman tells her it's an actual place. It's a sinkhole nearby. And Loretta is super excited, and Alan is so supportive of going to the sinkhole instead of trying to leave or get on a plane right away, because he can tell that this is the first time that she's really come back alive and that she's fearless, and he's just, like, here for it. Mm -hmm. He goes off to find them a ride for the morning, but all of a sudden, Abigail's men have surrounded Loretta, tipped off by the local police, and they capture her again. Alan gets back just in time, once again, to see her get abducted, and Alan... (laughs) grabs a moped and follows them. So Loretta's in this, like, van with Abigail and his men, and Abigail's about to lecture her when they notice Alan behind them. And Loretta starts a fire in this Hummer that they're in, van, Hummer, whatever, and this fight ensues inside and on top of this moving vehicle. They threaten to kill Alan if she doesn't lead them to the tomb. So she finally agrees after all this altercation. 
Okay, how realistic is it to be not even fighting, but just standing on top of a moving vehicle? Like, we see this in a lot of movies, including multiple Sandra Bullock movies. Multiple Sandra Let me Sandra bring you Bullock back movies. to speed. Yes. And I'm like, I, I cannot imagine actually even just standing on top of a moving vehicle. But this happens a lot in the movies. It really does. I have trouble keeping up right on a snowboard and I'm strapped into that and I'm in control of it and I'm going like 10 miles an hour. So I say not realistic. No, not realistic. Don't try this at home, folks, but I kind of want to, you know? Yeah. In a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) Cover me in bubble wrap and and drive five miles per hour with me on top of the car. (laughs) Next time we're together, that will be the real. One of us just flying forward off a car, like in we my have neighborhood. To caption, we have to caption it at the bottom, like, do not try this stunt at home. What is it? TikTok videos worn of like, this is a professional, do not attempt, <laughs> even though it, it'll be like a child on a bike or something. Right. Oh, I love it. They arrive to these very creepy, dangerous looking caves. So dangerous that one of Abigail's men actually falls to his death, casually. Mm-hmm. Abigail doesn't really seem to care. And they get to the end of this path, and there's this teeny tiny hole, and Abigail forces Loretta to crawl through it. It is way too small. I'm so claustrophobic uh-uh. watching Okay, it. I was just going to ask if you're are, – are you claustrophobic in real life? It really depends on the situation. If I know that there is, like, a way out of something, no. Like, I think I could be trapped in an elevator, and I would be okay. Okay. But if I cannot move my body, like, my arms – I do get claustrophobic, and I don't know if that yeah, comes yeah. from growing up, like, wrestling with my brothers, and they would sit on me, and I couldn't move, and it really freaked me out. No. Like, I hated that, or they would, like, pull me off the edge of the pool by my <laughs> Like, oh, that, no. that gives me, like, that does make me claustrophobic, but overall, uh, I don't think I am, just when I can't yeah. move my body. So, in this case, yeah. I absolutely would be. Are you? Right, right, right. I would not say I'm claustrophobic, but I mean, I would have a fear of this, like uh, just for it being really scary. Yeah. Like I don't like the idea of going, I think for me, it's a little bit more the unknown aspect. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Also getting like real national treasure vibes here. Yes. The growling. Yes. (laughs) I love it. And she's like freaking out. So her breathing is very heavy, which always reminds us of gravity. Oh yeah. Where there's not that much audio at all, except for like other than (laughs) (laughs) yes that's half of that movie understandably loretta starts to have a panic attack in the tunnel but alan once again talks her down and encourages her and she ends up getting to the other side and it opens up into this like stunning waterfall mausoleum type place and abigail and then somehow alan get through this hole i'm honestly not sure if alan could have fit tbh but they make it no (laughs) way (laughs) But they make it. And Abigail's like, why would they put this here? And Loretta understands more of the actual historical story behind the reason behind this tomb and and the king and queen or lovers or whatever who lived on this island. And she says that it is a hiding place where the king's wife can grieve her fallen lover. And I think she really Mm. relates to that love story and to that feeling of grief and hiding. Yeah. And it was like a private show of grief. Abigail was surprised that it wasn't something more like public and showy and, you know, yeah like that yeah so they walk into this like mausoleum and the tomb is above ground Mm -hmm. and abigail demands that they open it and the crown that is in all these stories is not actually jewels it is shells and abigail is pissed 
Mm-hmm. Nearby, the volcano is trembling, and Abigail's panicking, demands that Loretta and Alan get in the tomb to be buried by lava. And I'm like, uh, this felt a little unnecessary. Like, Agree. I feel like with his wealth, he probably, unfortunately, could have gotten off from the fact that he kidnapped her or could have convinced her to agree, you know, not to press charges or something like that. Instead, he's like, nah, just going to bury you alive. Right. TBT, again, there's so many callbacks here. Callback to Sandra Bullock getting buried alive in The Vanishing. <gasps> oh, I didn't even think of that. Another horrifying premise of a movie. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Abigail and the one remaining like henchmeny as with him flee. They get to the mouth of the cave, but his guy actually takes the boat and leaves Abigail behind <laughs> because this guy is a local and he always thought that Abigail was really disrespectful to the island history and this was just kind of mm-hmm. like the final straw. Yeah. Meanwhile, Beth can't handle all this waiting. She hops a flight to go to the island too to find Loretta herself, but her connecting flight gets canceled, so she hitches a ride on a random guy's cargo plane, very appropriately played by Oscar Nunez. I love this. Also, it's just such a funny couple of scenes. I mean, it's just exactly what you would expect if it's you're perfect. like, oh, Oscar Nunez is playing yes. that role. Yes. She gets help from the local police, and they boat past the caves that Loretta's in, but they only see Abigail stranded, and they pick him up, not realizing that he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. In the tomb, Loretta and Alan have a heart-to-heart. They're literally laying on top of two skeletons, ancient skeletons. I cannot. Which, for some reason, ancient skeletons to me are less scary than more recent skeletons. Okay, I think I agree with you. Like, it's easier to be further removed. Have you heard of the catacombs in Paris? Yes. Okay, Kale and I went, and it is incredible. It is this underground tunnel where they have beautifully arranged human bones and remains of people into these tunnels. And it's so creepy, but like hauntingly beautiful. And I was walking through and just like, it was so surreal that these are actual human remains that were surrounding me. And I'm like, It was so, like, creepy, but also really cool. And it was just a very, very weird experience. It was awesome. What's the, like, historical context of why they did that? So they were running out of room, basically, to bury bodies and designated space. So they started exhuming bodies and transferred them to these underground catacombs as, like, a large burial site. So that's the very brief version as to why. What year was that? Um, let's see. Preparation work began shortly after a 1774 series of cemetery basement wall collapses added a sense of urgency to the cemetery eliminating measure. So yeah, the late 1700s. That feels too recent. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It feels like it should have been like 1300, 1400s. Right. (laughs) And this went from the late 1700s, 1780s or so, to 1860. The last bone deposits following urban development were put into the catacombs. 1860? Yeah. And now it's like a museum. And they've done, I mean, it's kind of beautiful because they've tried their best to make it really respectful, despite the fact that people's, you know, their burial spots were totally overtaken. And sometimes they lost track of where people were buried. But in the cases that they could remember, they like marked what cemeteries it was from or who might have been there, what neighborhood it was from. It's really cool. And there's some like kind of creepy but cool legends of things that like go down in the catacombs, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, Alan and Loretta are snuggled on top some ancient bones. 
Mm-hmm. And they have this heart-to-heart. Alan apologizes for not being able to save her. I mean, like, they think they're going to die in this thing. Mm-hmm. And Loretta apologizes for not seeing him sooner for who he truly is. Mm-hmm. However, turns out the man who stranded Abigail left a crowbar in the tomb for them because he yes. was, like, not down with this buried alive plan. So they're able to get out. And as they're about to leave, Loretta takes off her wedding band and leaves it in the tomb. Mm. Again, she, like, relates to this grieving wife, and she really sees this as a very beautiful place of, like, respect and love. Mm -hmm. And this also meant a lot to her husband, who had been researching it. So he would have been, like, really proud to see that she found it. Right. They're trying to leave, but they're trapped by fire that's now started due to hot lava that is starting to come out of this volcano. So they decide to go underwater and go through this crack that leads to the ocean. No. And I'm once again reminded I would be dead because I cannot open my eyes in salt water or any water. Probably because we have contacts. Yes. Call back to our our season three episode, Wildflower, where we talk about having contacts. (laughs) Call forward to season three. Oh, you're right. Call forward. (laughs) But they make it, and they see Beth, who's on this, like, giant police boat looking for them. Loretta and Alan reveal that Abigail was the kidnapper, and Abigail's on this boat, tries to run, but Oscar, the cargo plane pilot, is also on the boat and tackles him. (laughs) Yes, I love that he's just along for the ride. Yeah. (laughs) Flash forward, Loretta ends up writing this story about them. Alan asks her what's next, and she asks him to write it, so he just starts describing everything around them, but, like, not with a writer's eye at all. Right. Like, there's water, and there's a beach, and there's the sky. She's like, no, no, stop talking. (laughs) They kiss, and there's, like, uh, something about Channing Tatum's jaw when he kisses. That is, Mm. you would just want to pause, you know? Yeah. Also, side note, she has this adorable cover-up on in this scene. She does. They're, like, on a beach. Yes. Yeah. Super cute. And that's the end. There is a post-credit scene with Loretta and Alan meditating, and they see Jack, who shows up. <laughs> Jack's alive. And he's like, you know, people only use 10% of their brains, so I just switched to a different 10%. <laughs> right. Like, somehow he survived that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That is the end oh. of that plot. Oh, so fun. So before we get into our thoughts now, since we were together in person when we watched this at the theater, we were walking back to my apartment after and started talking about it. And we were like, ugh, how come we're not recording right now? Like, this is such good, authentic conversation. So pulled out my iPhone, recorded our conversation on voice memos through our walk home. And we thought that would be fun to plug in here because it's our, like, you know, unedited initial reaction after the movie. So it probably has not very good audio quality because it's literally a voice memo like while we're walking outside and it was like cold and windy, but we think it's fun. So we'll go through those thoughts first. And it's also just mostly us being obsessed with Channing Tatum. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yes, let it roll. We are walking home from seeing The Lost City and thought it best to record our thoughts live that we could input into our episode. (laughs) I'm just like forever reminded that I'm in love with Channing Tatum. (laughs) Like his jaw flexes and he scowls and I'm like, oh, oh. Did someone teach him how to flex his jaw? They're like, yes, that, do that again. I can't, I can't flex my jaw. Nothing happens. I just clench. (laughs) 
and I look upset. <laughs> Same. And then that, that's also just what happens when I have anxiety. <laughs> and then my jaw is sore. <laughs> like, that was such a fun movie. Physical comedy is super fun. Sandra Bullock Ugh. is just on in this movie. She's so funny. And Channing Tatum, he's so sexy, but... He has really good physical comedy. He does. And I think that's part of what makes him so, like, hot but approachable. He's and, approachable, like, yes. Charming. <laughs> Not that I actually think Jenny Tatum's approachable. I think I would piss my pants if I saw him in real life. <laughs> I would just freeze. You'll be like, I've seen your butt before. <laughs> Was it a butt double? No, I think he. I think he talked about how he had to be standing there. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I he mean, turns, who else's butt would that be? When he turns around... I'm sure he's got, like, a cover well, on. Well, yeah, but she can see stuff. Well, I'm sure. I mean... I mean, although they didn't... I guess they don't actually show. He could they, be wearing shorts. Yes, in that scene. Know. In that okay. scene, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. Just using my imagination. <laughs> who do you think was luckier? Channing Tatum or Sandra Bullock? I can't decide. I'm not gonna lie, I think Sandra Bullock. yeah. I, I just, I mean, yeah, I, I think I agree. Like, Sandra's obviously a legend. He's so lucky to even work with her. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it's Channing Tatum. It's Channing Tatum. She the, pulled leeches off his butt. The fact that they, <laughs> she got to dance with Channing Tatum. <gasps> oh. I know. I was actually thinking that in the scene before when, um, or the beginning of that scene when he's dancing with the singer, like from the Island. Yes. I, I was like, like, this woman is so lucky. Oh my God. Seriously. It's like woman whose cast is just a, yes, essentially an extra. They're like, okay, to touch him. You have to dance with Channing Tatum and you have to sing, or at least she was. Yeah. Lip syncing. Yes. Least. I mean, what a, what a role. Incredible opportunity. <laughs> I'd be like, you don't need to pay me. I'll, I'll, sure. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> oh, them dancing together in that scene with the, like, Latin music playing. And Shani is just, like, in control. Yes. Oh. There's something about him being in control, right? Yes. Oh. But when he's not in control, it's just cute. Yeah, so he always wins. He's yes. always winning. Yes, he's able to be both. You know, this movie also gives me, um, which, you know, this is part of why, okay, anyway, you're going to know what I mean by this. This movie gives me comedy vibes like The Proposal. Yes, I see that. Like those, those quippy one-liners, the physical comedy that's sort of underlying in the whole thing. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know... She thinks less of the man at first because he just has this, like, meaningless job. Yeah. And then at the end, she realizes there's more to him. Yeah. She, like, thinks she has him down to a a T. Yes. A science. Yes. And I'm like, maybe this is just the formula for the movie that I love. (laughs) Throw in a Channing Tatum or a Ryan Reynolds and I am in. Honestly, prior to this film, I never would have said that Channing Tatum... And Ryan Reynolds are interchangeable, but I think they are. <laughs> I think they are for different reasons. Yes, yes. I love them both, though. Me too. And, I mean, I was going to say I'm surprised they could have such good chemistry. 
But actually, I'm not because they're both beautiful people. But <laughs> well, they've been doing a ton of press for this. Yes, a ton of press for this. And I don't know if it's because it's Sandra's most re- first and last movie to be in theaters for a while. Yeah, but they are like they look good together in their press packet, and they look very comfortable with each other. Oh yeah. And what's the age difference between them? Do you remember? Like leg hiking. Um, let me look. Let's see. Siri, how old is Channing Tatum? She's thinking. 41. Oh, that's older than I thought, honestly. Oh, me too. I thought he was still in his 30s. He looks good. Yeah. Siri, how old is Sandra Bullock? I know that she's like 51, right? 56. No. No. I don't know. Fifty-seven. You're kidding me. <laughs> there is. Should we be so lucky to look at fifty-seven? There's sixteen years between them. Honestly, it's working for me. Yeah. As you get older, yes, the, the age, age difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter as much. Forty-one and fifty-seven. She looks stunning in this movie. She absolutely does. Like whoever's idea was it to be like whoever's idea it was to be like just put on this gorgeous purple jumpsuit that you could literally wear nowhere else. Yeah. It would make no sense for anyone in real life, but she'll look amazing in it. Yes. <laughs> like whoever's idea that was, good on you. And they and they brought it into the storyline like it worked. Yeah, it was like its own little character. Yeah, and you're like if I was Sandy, I'd be like, okay, when else could I wear something like this? I mean, I guess if you're Sandra Bullock, then whatever you want. But also her costumes, not costumes, her outfits for all of her press appearances. Ooh, yeah. I feel like are all very showy in a similar way to yeah. this. Like, They're bold like colors. To yes. That's what it feels like. And I'm... I just am wondering, like, who styled her for all of those and if it was someone related to who styled her in the movie. I also just think it's incredible that Sandra Bullock is not only pulling off, but is an example to us all of how to pull off the Gen Z metal part. Okay, so true, as well as the Gen Z eyebrows, which I have not, Mm. I have not transitioned to yet, but I was noticing her eyebrows on this. They are very subtly the on trend now with like the spike up a little bit Uh that like, I can't do it. I, I mean, I, my, my natural eyebrows would never work for that. So I'd have to like, I don't know, get them tattooed on that way. I think. (laughs) No, it'll change. The trend will change. Exactly. I'm not going to fall for it. Absolutely not. However, she pulls that off well and it's subtle it's not like super extreme trend it's yeah. just like okay I'll go a little bit into this I mean, this trend she looks amazing it's kind of interesting because I think that her hair here actually looks super similar to her hair in the unforgivable it's oh, just more polished yes but, but it's it, like same length same wave same yes. middle part it looks they did make it look like that's her natural hair and I wonder if it is to some extent yeah. I mean obviously they did style it to some degree. Yeah. But it does look, have those, like, natural hair vibes. Yeah. P.S. Sorry if this audio quality is terrible, but we were inspired, and we're literally literally walking home, and my tongue is starting to get numb because I'm cold. <laughs> Sign off for now.
All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was so fun. I <laughs> no, that was the worst transition. It was like a QVC I actually didn't think it was that bad. I was like trying to think of what you would say, and I was like, I could hear her saying this. <laughs> I love that we could watch this in theaters together and then discuss it in real time. We were so amped walking home from the theater. It was so fun. It was our first evening together of that trip, and I don't know. Ugh. We were just on cloud nine, so. Yeah, we were. <laughs> that was fun. Sorry for the heavy breathing while we were walking. <laughs> But obviously you loved this movie, really enjoyed it. What were some other things that you liked about it, Allie? There were just some like funny moments that we didn't even touch on in our plot review because they're not really relevant to the plot. It's just like funny, humorous things. Like there's this part at the beginning where they're talking about like their plan for who this book is targeting or this book tour. And... (laughs) They're like, we're targeting younger women. And by that, we mean women in their 30s who wish they were in their 20s. And then the social media manager just like dabs. And I'm like <laughs> facepalm because I'm like, wow, I relate to this too much. <laughs> oh, my God. Oscar Nunez being in this was just a cherry on top to me. I was so tickled that he was in this movie and got to thinking, is Oscar Nunez Sandra Bullock's Rob Schneider? <gasps> Yes, Oscar Nunez is to Sandra Bullock as Rob Schneider is to Adam Sandler. I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Um, There's just so many humorous, like, laugh out loud chuckle moments in this movie. Yes. You heard it in our audio before, but Sandra Bullock's physical comedy is just woven throughout every scene in this movie, and it's yes. wonderful. She's, like, picking the wedgie in her jumpsuit, <laughs> and it's, that's also very relatable. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yes. I I just was here for it. Adored it. I think I might buy this one when it comes out, to be honest with you. Oh, so good. Yes, you should. I might do the same. Also, this was filmed in the Dominican Republic during the pandemic. And actually, I think I saw something that Channing Tatum brought his daughter and Sandra Bullock also brought her kids during the filming process. So they got to like bond and hang out a lot there, mm-hmm. which just sounds so fun. That's amazing. Yeah. But this was just such a fun plot. Again, I said this in the um, the audio clip from the night we first watched it, but I feel like there's so many parallels to The Proposal. And you guys, if you've listened to season two, you know how much we love The Proposal. And especially me, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. So I feel like this rides that same level of humor. And there's just a lot of parallels to it that I think is part of the reason I love it so much. Totally agree. Like, they're so different, but so similar. Right, right. Like, they evoke some of the same emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for character, we rated Loretta Sage a high 8.75 out of 10. This feels like a classic Sandra Bullock character. She's, you know, kind of closed off woman, a little lost, focused on her career, doesn't want to go out of her comfort zone until she you know, goes through this journey to open up and learn more about herself and like, I don't know, soften up, Mm -hmm. which feels like very, very classic for a character that Sandra Bullock would play. Agreed. Love how smart she is. She clearly is very knowledgeable for the sake of writing her novels, has a lot of historical background, and then also the archaeological aspect from the work that she did with her husband. And also, she's just, like, super resourceful throughout her whole journey, even though, you know, she shouldn't really be that prepared for this adventure in the jungle, but somehow she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really calm when she's kidnapped because she thinks right. it's 
a joke or like a publicity stunt that like Beth organized something. Right, right. So she just like thinks it's funny. And I don't think I would ever think it's funny. I'm trying to think. Like even if No. Unless like you kidnapped me for a surprise. We Hannah and I kind of kidnapped you for your yeah, 30th birthday. Yeah. You know, Which unless was amazing. unless it's something like that. I'm like I don't think I'm down to be kidnapped. I don't think no, it's I don't, I don't think, think so it's either. I'm, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I do like she has some growth throughout this movie. Obviously, she finds some closure as much as she can with her husband's death, you know, at the Mm -hmm. end. And like that she admits that she was wrong about Alan. She like. Yeah, yeah. Like she judged him. Yeah, she judged him. She was wrong about it. I think she really grows from that aspect of, you know, from his advice as well of saying don't minimize your work because it's meaningful. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of breathes life back into her a bit. And also just having this true adventure of her own and then she's able to write about that was, you know, kind of interesting. Maybe full circle for her as a writer. So I just, I really liked her. Loretta. Yeah, I really liked her too. She's super likable. For Sandra Bullock's acting in The Lost City, we gave her a high 8.5 out of 10. From the very beginning, she has this not even outward physical comedy. It's just subtle. Mm -hmm. Very small things that are just like humorous, really set the tone for the movie, bring some levity to the situation. And it's not slapstick because she has these like softer introspective moments. We see her vulnerabilities throughout. So it's not just like all comedy all the time with no thought or feeling behind it. It's like very well balanced in my opinion. Yes, totally agree. Also, I think her and Channing Tatum's chemistry in this is so good. Oh, we talked about that a little bit in our initial thoughts, like right after we watched the movie, but like so good. And I would not have thought of pairing them together before. I would not either, but it is Chef's Kiss. Also said this in that audio that we plugged in, but their press tour just looks amazing. Like yes. all their really fun photo shoots, like everything just looks like they're having a blast together. And in an interview, they said that they were also surprised that they bonded so well. Like <laughs> they were not really expecting it, but ultimately they bonded over their shared juvenile senses of humor. And they feel like they are ultimately siblings who were, like, separated at birth, even though she's so cute, you know, 16 years older than him. So they have, I think this is a very platonic, playful friendship or relationship, which is just really sweet. Yeah, I really like that. It was really fun to see all the press that they did. Yeah. I love getting to, like, review a movie, like, as it's coming out in theaters, just because the hype for it is there and stuff like that. Totally. Also, Sandra Bullock in an interview said that in addition to COVID that they were dealing with when filming this, there was also a stomach bug that went through the cast and crew, which was miserable because, quote, there are no porta potties in the jungle. So going to the bathroom in general was already a nightmare to the point where they just didn't hydrate during the day and everyone would get IVs at the end of the day to rehydrate because going to the bathroom was just like a miserable experience while filming. They're like, please just plug me up so I don't have to go. Yeah. Wow. And you know she was in a jumpsuit. She had to get fully naked to go pee. Yeah, so true. (laughs) I'd be like, can you make a zipper? Right? I mean, like, the lengths people go to. Side note, how come how come jumpsuits don't have zippers? At the bottom? Like, yeah. Just, like, a flap at the bottom to just, like... Yeah, I feel like they could hide that. I think they could, too. They really should do that. Fashion world, please. Make this happen. <laughs> and you should go on Shark Tank with that. <laughs> Scott loves Shark Tank. Favorite I feel show. like there, there's got to be, like, a really good name for it, though. Like, something kind of edgy. Mm. Yeah, give me a day. You'll come up with one. Yeah, you'll come up with one. I have no doubt. (laughs) 
Yeah. Honestly, I just love her in this movie. This feels like Sandra Bullock. Absolute prime, key niche role. And, you know, she's taking a break from acting, which we've... I don't know if we've talked about that really on the podcast as much as no, we have I on Instagram. So, it was after. Yeah, just on Instagram. Yeah. But I'm like, if she's going to take a break, I'm so grateful that she's leaving us with this lovable, fun film. I feel like if she went out on The Unforgivable, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. But this one, I'm like, fine. If this is the last movie she ever makes, I'd be like, that's an okay note to leave on for me. Yeah, so fun. So fun. <gasps> the pee pocket. <laughs> pee pocket. That's great. The pee pee for short. <laughs> Someone please create a jumpsuit or a romper with a pee pocket. <laughs> Trademarked by Girl Crush. We will come after you. This was recorded on Wednesday, April 20th, 2022 at 8.45 Mountain Standard Time. <laughs> New merch coming at you. <laughs> the pee pocket. I'm like a pocket tee. <laughs> no one thinks that or funny. A, romp, a romper with a girl crush on it that has a pee pocket. <laughs> oh, that's great. Honestly. Solid hotcakes, I think. Okay. So for Boss Babe, we had to give Loretta two out of two here. I mean, yes. look at everything she does. She survives through the jungle, uses her jumpsuit as a, a decoy. She's scaling walls. She's swimming through the ocean. I mean, what more can you want? Countless Boss Babe moments in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's doing it all in booties, too. Healed booties. Filming this must have been miserable, I just have to say. You think? They were in the Dominican Republic. And she's yeah, in and you're like in a full long sleeve jumpsuit. Yeah, you're right. Ju- that's not breathable. No. She had to be so hot. I wonder how many free days they got, though. And then you're like in the water, like wet. <gasps> oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. You convinced me. I will only go on vacation not to film a movie. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> and then for a Would You Watch Again score, you should have guessed we obviously gave this a five out of five. Duh. So to review for The Lost City, we rated the plot a 9 out of 10, Sandy's character 8.75 out of 10, her acting an 8.5 out of 10, a Boss Babe score of a 2 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of a 5 out of 5, bringing this to a very high total of 33.25 out of 37 points. And we already have released our rankings for season two, but if we were to adjust and, you know, put this into the rankings, this would become number six. Which again, maybe we were just excited, but I think after reviewing it again, like on the podcast, I think it deserves it. I agree. So that would be sandwiched right after the movie 28 Days and right before Miss Congeniality, which <gasps> we were initially kind of shocked by. Yeah. But then we started comparing like each category and we're like, okay, do we think this is fair? Does this make sense? And we stand by it. Yeah. Her comedy here is similar to Miss Congeniality. But it's more developed. Honestly, it is. And it's more nuanced and genuine. And that makes sense because 20 years have passed between the two films. And Sandra Bullock has continued honing her craft. And this is just such a sweet spot, niche role for her to play Mm. that we are okay with it being right ahead of Miss Congeniality. Yeah. And I don't think it'll ever become a classic in the same sense that Miss Congeniality is. Mm -mm. But I also think nowadays it's a little bit harder for movies to become classics. I think there's a lot more movies out and like with streaming and everything like that, I think it's a little bit harder to break through. Yeah. Agreed. So I think that's just a change in like the industry in general. But I think Miss Congeniality was like so new for its time. So I think it won't become a classic. The Lost City won't become a classic in that way. But I think the scores that we gave it are totally fair. Agreed. 
As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or go to our website at girlcrushpodcast.com. You can tune in to season three, which we are currently releasing, where we are reviewing every Reese Witherspoon movie. Bye! Bye! Bye.